Uh, one of my favorite shows on TV uh, that I can't not watch if it's on is the show Fixer Upper. Any Fixer Upper fans in here? A lot of ladies. Come on, men. You like it too. Chip and Joanna Gaines. They're really awesome. But when I watch that show, I, I'm reminded how I can't do anything at my home. Like I can't even barely uh, fix something or even exchange a light bulb, let alone do what they do. But when I'm watching that show, what just fascinates me is they take this house that's in a rough condition or a condition that the owners don't like it to be in. It's this before condition. And somehow they take it, this lifeless, worn out house, and they revive it. They redeem it. They bring it back to life again. And when I'm watching that show, I'm thinking to myself, how can they take this before house and not just scrap it, just build something new. How can they take it and actually go from before to this after product and it was actually better than it was before? And I look at those TV shows and I look at those houses and I think deep down, I'm wondering even about my own life. God, can you do that with me? This worn out, tired, lifeless soul. Can you give me an after story as well? Have you ever thought about that? Can God do something with me, this broken, worn down person? When the Apostle Paul, he's writing to the Roman Christians scattered in Rome, and right in the middle of this letter that he writes in Romans chapter 6, Paul gives this blueprint in how to have a before and after life, to take out what is worn out and tired and revive it and bring it back to life better than it was before. Here's what he says in Romans chapter 6. For we died and we were buried with Christ by baptism. And just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glorious power of the Father, now we also may live new lives. Since we have been united with him in his death, we will also be raised to life as he was. We know that our old sinful selves were crucified with Christ so that sin may, might lose its power in our lives. We are no longer slaves to sin. For when we died with Christ, we were set free from the power of sin. And since we died with Christ, we know we will also live with him. Throughout that passage of scripture, I see Paul going back and forth explaining what the before life looks like and then what the after life could look like as well. And yet when I'm looking at that, two phrases stick out to me right away in this before life section. It's the words old sinful selves and slaves to sin in verse six. He explains this before life or our old life has two things going for it. Not only is it sinful, but it's a slave to sin. I can't help but be offended by that word sin. I think when people in our culture hear it, they become frustrated. And I think I understand why. When people hear the word sin, it feels judgmental. And it feels closed off. And it feels like people are pointing the fingers at people. And you know what? I think the church at large has missed it when it comes to sin. Because people feel like they have fingers pointing at them and the people pointing the fingers don't really think they're at fault, 
That's a problem in itself. Because sin isn't a bunch of things that people do wrong on the outside. It's what all of us have within our hearts. The reason we don't think anything is wrong with us is the very essence of sin itself. Because sin is synonymous with pride. It's walking around in this world thinking, you know what, if there is a God, I don't need him to be God. I'm grateful that he created me, but other than that, I call the shots in my life. I'm the boss. I'm the one who's in charge. Other people may be in my life, but they're just living in my world while I get to be God of all people, including myself. That's the essence of sin, and Paul says we're enslaved to it. We're chained to it. We can't get away from it. All of us have that. All of us have that old life. And you know what? That life works. It works for a long time. Many of us, even in this room, we're like, yeah, what's wrong with being the boss? Well, you know what's wrong with being the boss? Two things. First of all, it's really, really exhausting. You know, if you go to the gym and run on the treadmill, that's one thing. But when your life is lived on the treadmill, that's tiring. When you're just running and running and running and running and then you find yourself not getting anywhere. That's why our souls are tired, worn out, exhausted. You and I were never called to be God. To play that role in our lives becomes so tiring because we try to control our lives and so many things and then very, very quickly, life gets out of control. That's why also to be the God of our own lives is to be damaging other people. When we play God, not only do we damage our own soul and we live by feelings and we live by the conditions that we've placed upon ourselves that leads to wrong actions in our lives, but we hurt other people. Many of us in this room have conflict with our spouse or our family or our friends because we've chosen to be God of our own lives and it's hurting other people. And you know what God's doing this whole time? He's sitting back and he's waiting. He's not pointing the finger and saying, look, you continue to mess up. Let me be God. All he's doing is waiting for us to finally look at him and say, God, I can't do this anymore. I'm tired. I'm exhausted. I don't want to live this old life anymore. I need something different. And God is there waiting, waiting for us to look to him. And you know what? When we recognize that we weren't called to be God, but God wants to be God in our own lives and wants a relationship with us, you know what he doesn't do? He doesn't say, you know what? For all of your life, you've been calling the shots. You think you've been doing a good job at being God. Keep trying. I don't want you anymore. You thought you could do a better job at running the universe. Keep doing it. He doesn't do that. You know what he does? He, he, he puts his arms open for us. He receives us as we are, these worn out, tired people who have enslaved themselves to pride and arrogance and shame and guilt, and we have a past. He accepts us as we are in that condition. But God, he's so loving, he doesn't just keep us that way. He wants to do something about it so we don't have to live enslaved to that old life anymore. 
And so Paul says what happens, that Jesus, he is crucified. Jesus loves us so much that he dies on the cross. Many people will ask me, is God good? Look at all the pain in this life. And I say, the only thing I can do to answer your question is to point to a God who also went through pain who cared enough to die for us on the cross, taking on that old life and dying for it so that we may live. And when I look at the cross, I don't just see Jesus. I see my old life, your old life, crucified with him, killing the old life so there's potential for something new. But that's not just, that's not it. Because Paul also said he wasn't just crucified and now we're crucified with him, but he was also buried. Jesus dies for our old life and he's buried with it. And here's why this is important. For those of us who have said yes to Jesus, every single day we wake up, there's this glimmering shovel right in front of us. And there is a temptation every single day to take that shovel and dig up that old life that has been supposedly buried with Jesus. And we go back to who we were before Jesus. Do you know how often I do that in my life? Where I go back to the days where I was God and I wanted to have control? That I take that shovel and I think, God... What you're doing right now, I don't like it, and so I want to go back to being in charge. You know how many times I've taken the shovel and dug out my old life, and you know where it's gotten me? Nowhere. In fact, it has gotten me me going backwards in my life. I start to damage people again. I become tired again. Jesus loves us so much, not just to die for our old lives, but to keep it in the ground with him. If you follow Jesus, let him keep it in the ground so you don't have to dig it up anymore. He wants to be buried with it forever. Because for all of us, he has something more for us. He has not just done anything about the before life, but he also has an opportunity to redeem it, to revive it, to resurrect it. Not to start over like we probably think he should, but to do something with who we've been. Jesus has an after story for us. And look what Paul says about this after story. Christ was raised so we may live new lives. We are raised to new life just as he was. We are set free. And we don't have to have um, shackles upon us anymore. We're no longer slaves to sin. And we will live with him forever. When people killed Jesus and buried him in the ground, they thought that was it. But they forget that God really loves a comeback story. And God is killed and he's buried. But not even all of our sin, our shame, our past death itself could keep him in the cross. Because three days later, God raises him from the dead raises him from the dead so that our old lives can stay in the ground and he can offer us something for all of eternity. All of us think that we join Jesus in this heavenly bliss once we take our last breaths. But when we say yes to Jesus and have an after experience, it doesn't start when we die, but it starts when we cling to Christ. 
That first time when we stop clinging to ourselves and trust Jesus enough to cling to him, our whole lives change. And what we look at in the past, this before worn out person who's done a lot of damage to a lot of people, including to our own souls, God says, I don't know you by that anymore. I have a brand new life, this after story life that will change everything once you say yes to Jesus. And that's what we celebrate in baptism. When we see people sitting in the tank and about to go under the water, it's them saying, listen, I know my old life has gotten me in trouble. I know how empty my old life is. I don't want it anymore. And so they identify with Jesus' death and burial. They go underneath the water. And thankfully, Todd and I are kind of strong enough to bring them back out. (laughs) And when we bring them back out of the water, it signifies my old life. This before story is gone, and now I have new life with him. And I don't have to live like the old Eric anymore. I can leave the shovel alone and keep my old life buried with Christ. Now I get to live new in him. And we saw that before, and we're going to see that again in a few moments. But let me tell you. Some of us in this room, we're living in that old life right now. We don't know the potential of having an after story. And so here's what we're going to do. I'm going to invite the worship team back out right now. And we're going to just sing a song of worship before we have baptisms again. And what we want to do is to invite those in this room that have never said yes to Jesus before to come forward and Accept him as Savior, saying, Jesus, you've done for me what I can never do for myself. I'm tired of the old life. I need to have a new life, and that only comes through you.